Hey there, listeners. Welcome back to Trash and Treasures, where we watch the movies other people throw away. And this is the grand finale of Pride Month 2020, the world is on fucking fire edition. My name is Rye, and with me as always is Dorothy. Hello. And to cap off our year of queer genre film, we are in 2019. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the newest things we've ever featured on here. Played the festivals and then it came direct to streaming is 2019's Bit. I'm pretty sure I know of at least one theater that did get it, hmm. but it was, you know, super indie theater. So yeah. I would be that would make sense. It, so I'm betting it went to streaming and also had like limited release. Yeah, that this is my fault for relying on on articles that called it direct to streaming. Yes, just like Mandy. Mm, poor Mandy. Mandy's a good movie, by the way, listeners at home. Yeah, so this is a movie I liked to, to start off um, because I feel a little bad because I sort of have mixed feelings on parts of this movie. But also, I think you all should go out and watch it. And also, IMDb users are shit. And if you go and look it up, you may notice that its star rating has been absolutely bombed. Oh. Mm-hmm. But as we mentioned in the preview last time, this has been recommended us for quite a while because it is a vampire movie that is about queer and trans people. And most notably actually st uh, has a trans actor in the lead role, which should not be something people get praise for, but it's so rare that here we are. She's very good. She is. I really like her. Uh, her name is Nicole Maines. People mostly know her for playing uh, for for playing the roommate on Supergirl. But yeah, she's she's quite good. I haven't watched Supergirl, which is a shame because from what I can tell, it's it's just Smallville it's again. Smallville, but set in Metropolis again. Uh -huh. Yeah. So on the one hand, this is a movie that got a lot of praise for being about trans characters but not necessarily you know but not killing them off also it has one of the most dreaded phrases ever uttered on this podcast writer director oh boy which is brad michael elmore a cis man a cis man yes yeah there's a little bit of chasing amy syndrome going on here where it's it's a case of i think you did this about as well as you could as a white cishet man. He um he did a lot of research, right, and had a lot of um yeah not not even in the sardonic way that we usually use that phrase. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. He actually did have a lot of sensitivity readers on the script, and like you yeah. can tell, yeah. And I mean, sensitivity readers are very helpful. Mm -hmm. Before the Wachowskis came out, that was one of the things that people would consistently point to about Bound as being part of why it's good. But like. But research helps a lot when you're dealing with things that are not necessarily in your realm of experience. Mm -hmm. I am aware of the conversation currently going on in book, at book and author Twitter, where a lot of um, authors of color are pushing back and saying that, you know, actually we would prefer that white writers not try to write leads of color because ultimately, even if you do all that research, you're taking up space with that could be filled by writing done organically. Mm -hmm. Which I feel like is always the conversation when it comes to writing marginalized, marginalized identities. Mm -hmm. But I do think that in some cases it can be a bit 
more flexible in terms of other marginalized identities than Mm -hmm. race and culture and the intersection between race and culture. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying never do a a movie with a queer lead. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's it's complicated, is the short version of that. It's very complicated. And I am glad this movie exists. Like, I would rather that this movie exist and be sort of hit or miss in places than he not have done it at all and yeah. given this this actress a, a platform that she can use on her resume. I think the best parts of this movie are remind me a lot of Damien in Dream Daddy, where it's a case of if you are trans or know any trans people ever, the oblique references are going to be enough that it's very obvious, but nobody ever says... And this person is trans, and here is their dead name and and or their naked body. Whereas I I feel a little conflicted because as a cis person, I realize that I have less standing to comment here. <laughs> but I do it does feel a little unnatural to me in some places where they're treating transness like a fucking zombie mm. in The Walking Dead, where we don't say the word trans ever. Like I'm not saying I want to know her dead name or her struggles through high school or any. Mm-hmm. Or this recitation of pain. But it does feel weird that the word trans doesn't exist. When (laughs) everybody is generally fairly casual about their awareness of her being trans. Yeah, it's like almost a preponderance thing. Because like I I think each of the individual cases of just sort of sidelong referencing it are not bad in and of themselves. But when it gets to the whole mo- when it goes through the whole movie and you're getting into these heated references and you're still not even using the word trans or transitioning then it starts to get a little weird yeah cuz it almost makes it again because this is a horror work so it's in the genre of horror so mm-hmm. when we look at it within the field what things don't we say in horror we don't say the name of monsters mhm i don't think that's what they intend but it does sort of convey an element of monstrosity relative to her gender it's fully a case of the sensitivity readers looked at i i think they looked at it as in cases of general trans narratives like right is she treated as authentically a woman Mm -hmm. is she is she subject to violence based on her gender Mm -hmm. is she and none of those terrible things happen and that's great i love that well and and like it 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 does avoid the two biggest things that happens 99 percent of the time with trans characters in film and most mediums is you hear their dead name or you see their naked body yeah and And it's really good about that Mm -hmm. but it's just the, the way the language is used specifically in the horror genre feels weird and flaggy to me right yeah it's um going back to that argument of do people outside of a community get to write that? It's that case of you can have these characters, but maybe don't write things that end up coming around to being about their identity. Like, I feel like it works for Damien. I don't actually know if either of the Dream Daddy's writers are trans or if they're cis and queer, but it, it works there because that's a fluffy si- slice of life thing where it doesn't yeah. really matter that he's transitioned and he's an adult father and it now. Also, and it also feels very good to see Damien handled that way in Dream Daddies because... That game is about all of the different ways you can end up being a dad. Mm-hmm. And this is a way you can be a dad. This is a type of dad that exists. Right. So, like, it, it is part of his character, but it's not part of his plotline. Whereas in Bit, her being trans is very much a part of how she came to be where she is now. And, and part of her how, mental health structure. And struggles. sort of how she negotiates mm-hmm. the situation. I also... 
I, I realize this is going to sound like I'm dumping on it, and I'm not. I actually really, really enjoyed this movie, but I just want to get this mm-hmm. out of the way, too. It feels a little bit weird to have this movie about sort of generational feminism. Number one, written by a guy, and number two, not engaging with the ways different generations of feminism have understood transness. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's definitely about generations of feminists and sort of the evolving conversation around feminism, but not around gender. Mm-hmm. It's very... Hey, babe, um, would it surprise you to know that one of the director's biggest influences in writing this movie was The Craft? Okay, I can definitely see that. Especially <laughs> with regards to certain characters. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all starting to... Oh, boy. Oh. It's all starting to come together, isn't oh, it? Oh, boy. <laughs> I thought that that was the look on her face listeners is incredible right now and I like the craft me too I like the craft given what it is you mean like the fact that it hates teenage girls the the thing which it is about (laughs) and I don't think this movie hates its protagonist which is definitely a step up on the craft but Mm -hmm. still but yeah it's still it definitely has vestigial stuff Mm-hmm. By the way, we need to watch Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board, because I know nothing about it except that it appears to be the craft. Mm-hmm. The craft again some more. All right, so we are now almost 10 minutes into the podcast getting our major cap. But I, I did kind of, I'm sure these things will come up again as we go through the plot. Yeah, but I, I wanted, just wanted to... to sort of establish, especially the generational feminism thing. Mm-hmm. I do think that maybe even before listening to us break down the plot, uh, trans folks, you're probably... I think this is is a safe movie to watch, which I'm sure a lot of you out there know what I mean by that, but... Yeah, like, it's a vampire movie, so there's violence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing to do with transmisogynist. There 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 is some misogyny. There is indeed some misogyny. A bit. (laughs) But if you're looking for a case of, I just want to see a trans person on screen doing shit and not feel incredibly dehumanized... I think you can enjoy this movie. It's it's just one of those where you step back and start thinking about it and you're like, wait a minute, there are holes in this. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about those. <laughs> Bit is about Laurel. She's just graduated from high school and she is going out from her small town to LA where she's going to visit her brother. One of two queer people in high school. Mm-hmm. She, she's friends with the gay boy. Andy yeah. is her friend. Andy's her friend, Mark's her brother, right? That's right. And so she, we open with, you know, Basically setting the tone for this entire movie, she and Andy are at this graduation party and they're kind of snarking on the popular kids and somebody comes over to Laurel and they're, and he's just like, I, I'm I so ju- brave. I just think you're so inspirational. You're so brave. And and it's like, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. No wonder you want to get out of here. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I feel like if a trans person had made this movie, there would be a, a greater attunement to that level of. De- you know the the dehumanizing you're so brave you're so valid and i so accept you uh-huh so laurel heads out to meet with her brother who they are he lives in la and has gone to become an actor not that we're really told this because laurel's a wee bit self-involved most just graduated high school girls uh-huh it's true the the night she gets there she goes out and happens he to- takes her out it's true. Yes. He, he takes her to this place and she just leaves. I don't know, but if I were him, after my little sister who just got to LA today disappeared, I would be shitting myself. Mm-hmm. 
I think she tells him that that she's going, but still, it's L.A. at night, and this 18-year-old who's never been here before left with some strangers. Yeah. The fuck? And and we don't see his perspective on this, because, like, yeah. we're stuck to Laurel. Which, again, this is a very 18-year-old. I got to the I'm big- a grown-up! Exactly, I can do this. Well, and, and she explicitly has a fake ID, which is a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Because, like, she has an ID. <laughs> Like, but the bouncer um, tries to keep her out of the club because apparently her ID is not quite that good. <laughs> when Duke shows up and uses the Jedi mind trick to make him let her in, and Duke is is our excellent. Duke's our Nancy. She's she's Nancy, and she's also Regina George. She's a little bit of both. <laughs> Nancy, if she were conventionally attractive, Nancy a blonde, kind of yeah. And so over the course of the night, Laurel is kind of noticed by this group of hot obviously vampire girls uh including izzy who comes over and chats her up i thought izzy was going to be a much bigger character boy me too i thought this was going to be about their their romantic involvement and i was here for it because mm-hmm, they're very cute they have great chemistry uh zoli griggs plays izzy and she's she's great yeah she, she doesn't get a lot to do but yeah she, she gets like this one really big extended interaction with laurel where, you know, they talk and have this, like, emotional connection. And she's specifically trying to give Laurel a really nice night because she's going to fucking eat her. Mm-hmm. Like, is the undertone to this. But for Laurel, it's just this amazing fairy tale night with this cool girl in L.A. who directs music videos and, and thinks she's pretty. Mm-hmm. And they've had amazing sex. And gosh, it's, it's so beautiful outside right. on this rooftop. It's at once very romantic and and very tense. It's a well done scene. Yeah, but then she, she's not. She's sort of shuffled off after Duke shows up and says, "No, no, don't kill her. Just bite her." Mm-hmm. And then Duke sort of becomes the central female relationship in this movie. You're right because actually Duke is not Regina George. She's Lestat. She's Lestat. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these things, all of these things, but it's very. I don't know how consciously this movie was thinking about interview or if it's just a matter of that work is so entrenched. Right. And those vibes and. Because it very consciously avoids doing intentional romantic tension between Duke and Laurel. It's but still it's there. But it's also weird that they wipe away all of that t- tension with Izzy. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this reminds me of The Craft. It feels like there was a draft where it was about this toxic relationship between Duke and Laurel. And then the director was like, I can't write this toxic. Shouldn't do toxic lesbians. Uh Uh-huh. So they added in a positive romantic relationship. Who was still going to eat her. Mm -hmm. But, you know, vampires. Right. But then the, the movie was still ultimately about the relationship between Laurel and Duke. And so the positive romantic relationship kind of sputters out in the second act. Yeah, and again, I one of the things that reminds me about The Craft is if you've heard Rachel True talk about how she was sidelined from publicity, interaction, mm-hmm. recognition as part of the main quartet, I'm not saying it's consciously racist to sideline Izzy's character, but... But it's there and it sucks. And then there's, there's Char Diaz as Frog, who does not get a line. Yeah, she does not get a single line. It is full on Castlevania season two. Here. I, I was disappointed to re- to find out that all of these vampires have only existed like in the decades since the nineteen seventies because I was wondering like 
what all of their backstories were and and you know where they when they came from what is the backstory of the legendary tai yamada but a vampire <laughs> well you know women are just more interesting now uh <laughs> is <that> inadvertently <laughs> like it's it's and i think intentionally it's more like well we wanted to make this a case of of modern women modern or, women yeah or, or we didn't have the costuming budget <laughs> to do flashbacks farther mm-hmm. but inadvertently again it done steps in it yeah so L- laurel goes through this sort of typical oh no i'm vampiring the rules here are you get bit and don't die you become a vampire more or less and oh but duke duke totally has one remaining vial of um, an antidote that if you take it before you kill somebody, then you can become a human again. Mm-hmm. Definitely for real. And th- so that's how they do a choice moment. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the movie, Laurel picks up the Louis Vuitton and runs with it. And they kill shitty dudes. And also, no man is allowed to be a vampire. Right. That's that's connected to the cold open of the movie, which is Duke and Co walking in on this other member of their clique turning a dude and <laughs> they murder the fuck out of this guy click not coven huh i said what i said i mean both are demeaning to women so <laughs> yeah so we we've opened with this this thing of you know duke is the the head in charge as it were and you never turn she gets head set she gets final say on anybody who gets turned and you never turn any dudes and she gives laurel this speech about the the man who turned her and this horrible abusive situation that she was in and the reason for the last rule which is that you never use your glamour on another vampire because she lived for decades in this abusive relationship where she was a bride of dracula type uh, type woman despite Even, being a lesbian uh-huh just an extremely out lesbian and you know, that and it, she has this edgy backstory where where in the 70s she went to new york and was a sex worker and fought her way up to a record store owner yeah and had a girlfriend and then this guy came around glamoured her and then she was stuck feeling like you know she was watching herself from the outside and honestly the performance is really good yeah yeah and sort of the description of um the dissociation and everything like, it's really affecting, and I think a lot of that is done to Diana Hopper and, and how she delivers this narration. Yeah, because, let's face it, with a bad performance, it would have been agonizing. Because it's very trite, in the wrong hands, it could be hackneyed, and it is sort of contributing to this idea that generationally, it's there's this divide between what girls these days have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Castlevania, it's literally the backstory that... Ellis gave Carmilla. It's literally the same. It is the most yeah. cookie cutter. Yeah. But the and actress gives it so well. Yeah. Vampires can only die if you set them on fire and burn their heart into nothingness. She set the vampire king on fire, but his heart wouldn't burn, so she keeps it in a little casket and eats bits of it. Mm-hmm. As a, and it's presented as this way of, like, slowly overcoming her trauma, which is kind of a neat metaphor, actually, at this point in the movie. Yeah. Hold on to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Laurel doesn't want to kill anybody. She keeps almost doing it and freaking out. And we have more very interview-like scenes. It, there's definitely a scene that is just the poodle scene. Full on. 
Just, um, they exclusively kill shitty guys. And there's honestly a pretty funny montage of every Redditor. It's good. <laughs> it's good and I'm into it, actually. Look, I consider myself a feminist, but type dudes. It's real good. Uh-huh. Full on. Just total neckbeards. But also there's um, these conspiracy theorists in town who are convinced that there's a cabal of female vampires killing men. Which there is. And like, also they're alt-right. And mm-hmm. <laughs> and they are attempting to resurrect the... One of them is a Renfield attempting to resurrect the Vampire King. And, and that... That's a minute. Yeah, that comes and goes. Laurel saves them. And, and kills a guy. That keeps her, you know... So now she's a vampire now. But she also doesn't want to to kill anybody else. So Duke gives her the speech about, you know, the longer try- you try to hold off, the bigger a mistake you're going to make. Uh-huh. It's just Lestat. It's just <laughs> Lestat, <laughs> though. Full on, they do... Do they? Is it is it the God kills him indiscriminately line that they drop? It's one of those. They they reconfigure the word slightly, but yes. Like, we kill indiscriminately. And this is supposed to be ironized because they're very discriminating about who they kill. Which is weird. Yeah. Because the movie doesn't feel insincere about how much we're supposed to like these women. But at the same time, it's the, the sense of not all men just keeps creeping up in the background. Yeah. Which is discomforting. Considering that Laurel is the character presented as having a heightened empathy towards gender. As the the only trans character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's weird and it kind of reminds me of the, it it reminds me of Knives Out in a way where, you know, you're truly trying to be sympathetic, but there's a part of you that is, you're part of the group that, that is being critiqued and you can't quite go as hard as you need to. Yeah. And well, and with Knives Out, it, the resolution was we need to maintain the classing of access to money. Mm-hmm. We just need to switch who has it. And it's kind of the same thing in this movie. So Laurel goes home and gets hangry. And she eats Because she's f- still living with her brother. She hasn't... She goes out with the posse every night. And her brother is like... Please talk to me. Please tell me where you are. Look, you spent like a week lying on my couch with giant bruises all over your neck and you would not tell me what happened. Did someone assault you? Please explain. Please let me help you. My, our parents will kill me. <laughs> and she's also blowing off her best friend who uh, initially was like, I'm going to come out to LA too with this clearly wild desperation in his eyes as the only gay left in their small town and she blows him off. Yeah. Because... Because, you know, this dual sense of, oh no, my new friends will eat you, but also, oh no, you'll make me look bad. Right. Because you're a dork. Mm-hmm. And so it comes to this boiling point of she comes home and her brother tells her that her friend has attempted suicide and he's in the hospital and he's alive. And that's the last we ever hear of him, by the way. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't, like, call him. Nope. It's just kind of a means to set her brother off to yell at her about how she's very self-absorbed and kind of a black hole that sucks everything into her drama, which is... And he's always supported her. Mm-hmm. Like, even with their parents. And and it's... The movie is trying very hard to center it on the mental health struggle she's had, but, but you it can't does... untangle those things. Yeah, you can't separate it from the fact that he... That there's an undercurrent that is he blaming her... For her transness eating his teenage years. Because, like, like, that's the undercurrent. 
the suicide rates are much higher for trans people. We have much more struggles with mental health because of all the shit, and you can't not talk about those things together. You can't not talk about that if you're trying to do a movie that doesn't talk about that. Mm Mm-hmm. So it feels really awkward and as though there is an elephant in the room in the scene where everything is supposed to be coming out. If you will. (laughs) Boo. So she's hangry. So, obviously. Obviously, she noms her brother. And, ta- and then she freaks out, oh god, oh god. But it's cool, Duke has this one last magical potion. Right, so she drags him back to Duke's place and is like, look, look, I know I'm not supposed to turn dudes, but can you just unvampire him for me? And I'm like, lol. Well, we were just gonna kill you if you said no. So we're gonna kill this guy unless you want to do it first. And, and then, deus ex machina, the, the master returns. Yes, because... The- there is technically a plot mechanism for it because yes, but it's uh huh. Laurel cuts her throat to because the the woman who disobeyed the rules at the beginning of the movie has been downstairs in solitary confinement beneath, literally just under a floor grate. Yep, she could have yelled at any time. She did yell at the beginning of the movie. It's just the music was pounding. And nobody heard her. I guess they so, can fly, but you know, hungry. So she gets a hold of Laurel's blood and that gives her enough strength to break out and get the master's heart and resurrect him. Something, something, we need it to be the final confrontation scene now. But Laurel and Mark run away. And he's like, what the fuck? And she's like, you know what, turn around, I better go back. And so, and, and when master, she does, shit's bad. And the master uses his mental powers to glamour everyone else. And he does this shitty speech about how, look, you're blaming me for one little rape when I'm so cool? Right. We live so long that basically everything is flattened out. I've also been a good dude in addition to all the rapes and murders that I've done. And it's very on the nose. Like, it's very realistic. Uh Uh-huh. But also... Well, because then he turns it around on Duke, like... You've done bad things, too. You've been using my glamour power low-key on all of these other women. to, To make them want to listen to you. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, it has this element of that not all men stuff kind of exploding yeah. to the surface. And the problem is that people want power. And, you know, it's the conversation that women can also be predators is an extremely valid one, but not for this creator in this setup in this film. And then Laurel returns and is the only one not glamored. And dude has a real weird reaction. Yeah, he, he calls, he like pulls her over to kill or glamour her and then he's like wait what well i guess it is the 21st century or some shit yeah because he's psychic and can see that she's trans yeah which is weird because not only have trans people always existed but specifically duke mentioned that she used to know somebody else who was trans but not in those words Mm -hmm. it's not sold as just it's not sold as just she wasn't there when he was glamouring people it's sold weirdly as her assigned gender at birth somehow forms a magical mental shield against this dude, which also makes it seem like women are inherent, like cis women are inherently more vulnerable to psychic domination because Duke is dominating other women, or maybe it's because it's his potent masculine powers. And I I think what it wants to be, like, I think what the movie is trying to do is it's just that, she kills him off before he can glamour her because of that moment of transphobic hesitation or what have you. And also, it wants to just be very plainly a superpowered. this trans woman is 
is able to save the day and she saves these other women and yeah. is part of their group. Yeah, but like that moment of hesitation he has mm-hmm. makes it a thing. Right, now we're we're bringing attention to her gender and how it affects his power over her and you've opened up so many doors and, to things you did not intend. And now you're suggesting that trans women have more power than cis women against all evidence. <laughs> and also, if you wanted to make Duke the bad guy who's kind of poisoning this women's collective, you have to bite the bullet and make her turfy, but then she's not sympathetic, which means that the turn of the movie doesn't work. So it kind of doesn't want to commit either way. Like, if you want her to be this... Yeah, because she's very sort of first-wave feminism, first-second-wave feminism-y, mm-hmm. except that she also has to be the person who specifically singles out and sees the value in Laurel. Yeah, and and very much from the get-go accepts her. This is not a case of there is this sort of, we have to protect women shitty turf logic holding sway over this. It is very, we have to protect women, Mm -hmm. but also trans women. Right, well, right, but like women in an inclusive sense. Yeah, when it should be in an exclusive sense. And maybe it's trying to say that, like, shitty people will validate you for their own ends, but it doesn't feel that way. The movie's too uncomfortable to go there because it's not a trans writer. Yeah. And then Laurel throws Duke into the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Because apparently it's not good to replicate the sins of the past unless we want to. Yep. But, and the movie closes with they all are, ta- you know, all of the remaining girls, Izzy and, and Frog... And, by the way, there's also a butch lesbian who's there who's good but has no lines, really. She has one line. And they all take a piece of the heart together because they're sharing the power equally. And that's what real inclusive feminism is. Is to all eat patriarchy? Yes, we are eating the patriarchy together. And also, Mark is now a vampire, but I guess we're just going to shrug and be like, uh, I guess we'll deal with that. Even though he, like, explicitly doesn't want to be a vampire and doesn't want to kill people. And she says something like, um... Don't worry, you just have to control yourself. Being a man is not an excuse for for behaving shitty. You know, the real important thing is to educate men to control themselves. Which, again, good message. Uh Uh-huh. But weird execution. So confused in light of all the things you've stacked up together. Like, this is... It's saying men are not inherently bad. It's the systems in place that allow specific shitty men to behave shittily. Mm -hmm. Which I don't disagree with. Right. But... This movie is so a case of so many good ideas that when you when you stack them together, they they intersect into these this sort of idea loaf mm-hmm. in way that open up new ideas that are not what the movie means to say. Yeah, and that's weird. Yeah, it's odd because everything has such a doubled meaning. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a shame because for the most part, I really. I really enjoyed watching this movie. Yeah. I, I liked the the setting and the storyline and the style of it. I liked the characters that got lines. Mm-hmm. It is weird that so much of the movie is centered on how women's relationships with men should be, even though it's a lesbian vampire movie. Izzy and Laurel do get one more scene lit in bed together later, which is nice. But then again, then it tosses by the wayside because we're actually talking about Laurel and Duke. And Mark was not, like, a very significant character early in the film. Where And then it suddenly turns into this story about sibling interaction much more than mm-hmm. romantic or sexual growth. Which, again, is fine, but the fact that he is not a character. And, like, there is no... And part of it is There's that his... foundation for his blow-up. 
his actor's a little, he's not terrible, but he's a little flat in those early scenes. So, he's, so there's not like a tension there. Yeah, he's not playing any underlying resentment and the script isn't helping him. Yeah, he just plays it as a good bro, mm-hmm. a good big bro. Uh, well, and Andy too. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of the movie that's about sort of recriminations for her not appreciating the men in her life. Yeah, and it does make it feel very... Another unintended unintended consequence is that she doesn't really have any female friends before she joins up with the vampires. She has a male friend and she has her brother who matter to her. So it's this trans woman crossing over into the world of vampires, which ends up unintentionally being the world of women. And, in, and inherently predatory lesbians in that they are literally predators who eat people. Mm-hmm. And she then becomes... And her first... Uh, possibly her first sexual experience... And then she becomes the one who brings men into this world that was supposed to be exclusively for women. And oh no, you've unintentionally done the turf logic. Yeah. This movie so clearly did not mean to do this. Yeah. Like, and it's so nice. Yeah. It's nice for a vampire movie. It really is. But if you start unpicking it, it gets real weird. Mm Mm-hmm. I still liked it. I did too. Like, I am glad that this movie exists and that we watched it and people recommended it to us. And unfortunately, it is in that space where there's probably never going to be an uncomplicated way to present these things. And it's trying to be as uncomplicated as possible. But since you're centering it on this sort of idea about generations of feminism and how Duke is this outdated dinosaur man-hater... It's so many good ideas that this writer should not have been writing. (laughs) Even with the sensitivity readers, there's a wall there. Yeah. You can only get so deep. And that's how it works with a lot of these stories, I think, is that sometimes when you want to tell, especially with horror. It's a great story, but why are you the one to tell it? Well, if you've written it, maybe take it to a director. Which is hard in indie film and that whole thing of... Or take it to a director who can... Or take your idea and find a transcript writer to say, hey, can you help me bring these? Because the directing is actually quite good on this. The colors, beautiful. Yeah, the directing and cinematography are great. That's So maybe do the ginger snaps thing and say, I have this idea. Mm -hmm. I need a script writer. Yeah, which worked out really well for ginger snaps. Yeah. I don't... it's, It's this inherently flawed product that probably won't age super well but i'm also glad it's there i feel like it's a net positive yeah because it is doing a lot of really cool stuff yeah and also and and also the flying scene is so sweet and intimate again with the characters that are not supposed to be right (laughs) the couple the confusion but yeah let's replicate the carceral state here at the end yep in our vampire utopia community, it's very confused so about what it wants ca- the vampire coven to represent. Egalitarianism, but mm-hmm. I guess Mark is not being allowed to eat from the heart. I don't know, and it doesn't either. It doesn't really know what to do with Mark, except use him as a cudgel to get to the final conflict. Yeah. Oh, bless. But, yeah, so those caveats in mind... And I realize good. that this has mostly just been an hour of caveats. But, like, but I feel like it's important to talk about those caveats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not often we get movies that are just good enough that the parts that we would normally sort of de- dedicate a more minor amount of time to become important because they are the only things holding this back from being a really great movie. Yeah. Because horror is an id-driven genre. These things crop up even when you don't intend them to. Yeah. I mean, horror is about our fears and anxieties. And in... 
the context of a story like this, you have to think about the fears and anxieties of the characters and what they're expressing. And this is why horror is is sort of inherently troubled because it's the easiest to get into and and so like a good space for less known directors but well, and also it's also such a great tool for expressing very targeted concepts mm-hmm. because you can just literally say monster but like you got like think... this, this this rapey guy is a monster but, but think... then giving him a whole speech where you didn't have the control you think you, you thought you did over how hypocritical he's supposed to come across yeah but Good movie, good watch. Might even watch again. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I think we only got it for a one-time rental, but... Yeah, it's super cheap to buy uh, streaming, by the way. It's only like eight, ten bucks on Prime. I don't... I think there might be other... It's probably same cost on other platforms. And it's checking out. It's a very pretty film, because even though these are Daywalker vampires, it still really leans into that sort of... um light-soaked L.A. Nights situation to try to sort of convey the difference between the drab daytime mm-hmm. and the exciting, liberating night. So it's very sort of Wizard of Oz in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the contrast is really lovely to look at. I, I enjoyed it a lot, just looking at this movie. And the fact that it's 90 minutes makes it go by really quick. The appropriate length for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is. I feel like the things we liked about it I don't have as much to say about them because it's just they're good. They they, mm-hmm. did a, they did a good job with those things. Yeah. Now we gotta unpack all this shit. Our suitcase is full. That that's it. That's the podcast. The suitcase is full. <laughs> TM TM TM. <laughs> all right. I I that wraps us up for Pride 2020. Thank you so much for joining us, listeners. I am so tired. They're so tired. If you liked this episode, you can find more of us on SoundCloud. I uh, actually have a specific playlist that's just our Pride Month episodes. You can join us on patreon.com slash trashandtreasures, where we put out monthly bonus episodes for $5 a month donors. And Dorothy gives out her recipe guides for $2 a month. It's very good, including alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks. It's a fun time. Yeah, those are associated with Drunk Book Club, our side podcast. A good time. And if you want to email us, you can hit us up at trashtreasures underscore pod at gmail.com. Or if you want to get a hold of us on social media, we're on Tumblr at trashandtreasurespod.tumblr.com. Or we're on Twitter at trashpod. This week, I want to give a shout out to at nine odds i hope you were able to find that dvd of friends and family it's good and adorable and uh, as i've been saying in the intro kind of tacked on to the other episodes that we recorded early please do continue raising uh black trans voices and donating to funds like the lgbtq freedom fund and the okra project um and you know for the girls and all of these other great sources because the fight is not over and even if the protests stop part of the reason we need to talk about pride is shit's still bad um so please don't stop caring and also if you are looking for more trans stuff that we haven't covered the documentary Dis- uh, disclosure just came out on netflix we're really looking forward to watching it it sounds like the celluloid closet but for trans rep so exciting yeah interesting and next I love that shit. <laughs> it's good shit. 
Next week is a special episode. We are having a guest for the first time in a while. Well, not next week, because we are going back to our normal schedule of every two weeks. Thank God. Yeah, you're right. Next episode, we are having a special guest, uh, and we will see how that turns out once I manage to fix the audio. Ugh. That is not the guest's fault. No, absolutely not. Technology. technology just managed to just vomit all over everything. It'll be okay. Uh, so that is a special treat for all of you at home. Until next time, take care of yourselves. See y'all.